was asking us these questions. I was um, looking at the list of all the different questions that God, thank you, I've got more volume now, that God asked, and one of them was, what is your name? Because when we ask people, what is your name? It's usually like, who are you? Hi. And we do it at the start of when we meet someone. When you've met, know their name, you just carry on in your relationship, don't you? And it's, it's an incredible thing. In the, when I started to look at this in the Bible, it became incredibly aware that God knew this person for 30 to, 30 to 40 years. And then he asked, what is your name? And so it sent me on a, on a real hunt through the Bible. You know, here in New Zealand, in my family, our names are hereditary. It's a generational thing. I'm named after my mother's mother, my grandmother. And my brother is named after my grandfather. And we just have names. Here in New Zealand, we choose names for our children, that, names that we like. But in the Old Testament, that wasn't the tradition as such. In the Old Testament... If you remember the story with Abraham and Sarah, you know, when Sarah found, you know, that God told them they were going to have a baby, but they were in their 90s. This is impossible. And when God said it's going to happen in the next year, Sarah laughed. And so what did she call her baby? Laughter. Laughter. Isaac means laughter. And you'll find that as you read through, that it's Isaac gets married to Rebecca, and then Rebecca has twins. She can't get pregnant, they ask God, and she has twins. And one of the twins, the first one that was born was Esau, and and Jacob meant um, he was holding on to the heel of his brother because he wanted to get out first. It actually means a deceiver or, or a trickster or someone who takes advantage of others. And so names in the Old Testament, when you look at the 12 sons that they had, The names were based around the circumstances or the situations that the babies were born into. And so names were quite important in those ways. And and people were known. And then you read in the Bible, many a time you'll see a change of name. God will change someone's name. And it usually comes when the identity, when God has changed that person and he gives that person a new name so they have a new identity. And you'll see that happen through the Word of God. The story that I want to bring up today, the scripture where it says God asks Jacob, actually, what is your name? But before we get to there, let's look at his life. Because as a young boy, he was a bit of a homeboy. His older brother, well, older by minutes, I suppose, because he was born as a twin. The older brother Esau was a a hunter and a gatherer. You know, he'd be out there. He was a man of the world. Whereas you look at Jacob, Jacob was a homeboy, a mum's boy. He liked to hang around the tent. He liked to cook and do things like that. And he had a smooth skin, whereas his brother had a hairy. And it was just, there was a difference there. He was a bit... And that's how he grew up his life. We don't know too much more until he grows up a little bit and Isaac isn't very well, the older father, and he has a blessing for his older son. And Rachel, Isaac's wife, knows about this and she hears. And what happens is that Jacob goes in and pretends to be his oldest brother to get the the, the blessing. Prior to this, he's already got the birthright, but he, he deceived his brother He deceived his father in getting the birthright and the blessing that was due to Esau. 
Okay, are you getting a bit of a picture? Here is this guy. I can't believe that God is really interested in using this guy because he is cheating, cheating, and cheating. <laughs> but God watches him. And then it comes into, um, let me have a look. One of the chapters, around about chapter, it's, his story starts in chapter 25. And it comes into a place where he knows that his brother wants to kill him. And so he flees from where he's living in Beersheba to flee to his uncle who lives further north. Okay, so he's on the run. His mother is helping him to get away because his brother has threatened to harm him or to kill him. And so he goes. And the first night that he is on this trip, he lays his head down and he has a dream. And in his dream, he sees a ladder that comes from heaven down to the earth and angels going up and down this ladder. And he knows that it's God that's at the top of the ladder. And at the end of, I will be with you. I will not leave you. I am going to be with you. He says this to Jacob. And two or three verses later, Jacob makes a commitment to God. If you will go with me and supply all my needs and this and this, you will be my God. And the trip was probably about 60 kilometers that he walked on his own. He had nothing but his staff. And he gets to the other side and he sees the shepherds and finds that they are his relatives. And he has found his relatives in the far north. Now, while he's there, the first one of his encounters comes with this beautiful young lady whose name is Rachel. She is the daughter of Uncle Laban. Okay, so he meets up with her. She introduces him to the uncle, to the father, her father, um, Laban. And so Jacob sets up, welcomed into the home, and he sets up, and he's going to live there and work there. He's got nothing. So his uncle says, how am I going to pay you? And he says, if you will give me your daughter, Rachel, as my wages, I will work for you for seven years, which he did. After seven years, he gets married. What Rachel had, there were four girls, Rachel had an older sister, and it was customary, and Laban didn't tell Jacob it was customary, that the oldest girl has to get married first, and then the second, and the third, and the fourth. So when Jacob goes to this wedding, and the bride is all veiled up, the next day, up goes the bow. It's not who he thought it was. Uncle Laban had tricked him or cheated him, and he had married Leah. And he goes back to his uncle, and he says, you know, this, this is, but he's getting his taste of his own medicine. Do you ever get, feel like, hey, this could be my life sometimes, you know? This could be me. We do things to people we don't realize, and then it comes back to us, and we don't like it, you know? <laughs> so anyway... The story goes on, and it's wonderful to read it. There's only about 25 chapters, and I've read it about 10 times in the last two weeks. So, we, so he, he, gets, he, he waits, and he goes back to his uncle. He says, you've cheated me. Leah is a, well, he's, he, and he explains the custom. And then he says, but you can marry Rachel, which he did apparently in the same week, but you have to work for her for another seven years. So 14 years he worked. And after 14 years, God spoke to him again, you know, and he started to move away with his family and he accumulated wealth. Now, how he accumulated his wealth, his, his sheep and his flock and whatever else, may not have been terribly honest either, I don't think. 
But he gained this wealth, and after six years, the Laban's sons started to feel quite jealous of his earnings. And then we get to the point where he wants to flee. He needs to flee. So he runs away from Laban because the boys don't like it very much, and the attitude of them towards him has changed. He's not liked. They're a bit jealous of him. And if he's not careful, they're going to do what his other brother Esau had done. So we're getting close to the points from Uncle Laban. And then Uncle Laban catches up with him. And there's a confrontation. He's got the two girls. He's got the grandchildren. He's got all of his flocks. He's on the move. He's up in the hill country. And Uncle Laban catches up with him. Now, that what happens is God intervened at this point. God spoke to, La- to, to Laban, you know, don't you harm Jacob, don't you harm, and he knew not to harm, so they came to some sort of an arrangement, and they were able to move on. But when he moved on, God had said, you're going to go back to your home, but hang on, my brother Esau's at home, and he wants to kill me. No, I want you to go home, go home, and I will be with you. So he's in this dreadful place. He's in this dreadful place. And now I'm getting to the, I'm going to read something from the Bible here. He gets to this place. And in chapter 32 now, he says, Then Jacob, um, when the, he sent messengers, he says, He was in great fear and distress. Jacob was in great fear and distress. And then he prayed to God, O God of my father Abraham and of my father Isaac, O Lord who said to me, go back to your country and your relatives and I will make you prosper. I am unworthy of all the kindness and the faithfulness you have shown to your servant. I had only my my staff when I crossed this Jordan, but now I have become two groups. Save me. I pray from the hands of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me and also the mothers and the, the children. He's, he's in a not good place. He is fearful and he is distressed. And he's praying to God. And then we get to, he's praying to God and, and then we get to verse 22. Can I have this one up? Thank you, Angeline. That night, I'll read it from my vision. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two maidservants, and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. Here is this man, distressed and afraid, And he's making plans to do what God has asked him to do, even though he doesn't know what he's going to be hitting. And he sends his children, and he sends everybody, and he is alone. And we need to get alone sometimes with God. But Jacob, he stays, and he's alone. And then a man wrestled with him till daybreak. There are several verses that will let us know that the man is God himself. God comes and he wrestles with God. What I want to talk to you about today is our wrestle with God. We're not the first, but all of us, we wrestle with God. We fight with God. And here in Ting, and it goes on, it says, So Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him all day um, until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overcome him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip 
so that his hips um, was wrenched and he was wrestled as he wrestled with the man. I guess what he's saying, he was clinging to God. This man, Jacob, was holding on to God and he was not going to let God go. He is holding on. God, you know, and he's wrestling with God. He's not letting go. He can't be overcome. He's not giving up. He is pushing in. He's being persistent. And I think God wants us to be persistent, you know, that we need to push in on the things that God has for us. And then it goes on and it says that, then the man said to him, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And I thought, what kind of a blessing does he want? What's he asking God for? Is he asking God for wealth and possessions and children? He's got 11 sons. He's got four wives. He's got all the wealth. He's got wealth. It's not in the physical that he's asking for blessing, I think. I think he's asking for spiritual blessing. Um, uh, he wants spiritual. What do you mean spiritual? He wants the peace of God. He, he is afraid. He is angry. He is, he is just, you know, he, he's worried. He's distressed. And he is fighting God. What for? For spiritual blessing. God, I need your peace. I need your strength. I've asked you for safety. I need your protection, God. And he is fighting this battle all night to fight with God, asking for his blessing, and he's not giving up until he is blessed. The man asked, what, then it goes into, but Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Verse 27, the man asked him, what is your name? And he responds, Jacob. Now, remember what Jacob means? Jacob means a cheat, a deceiver, a man who takes advantage of others. And when God says to him, what is your name? He says, I am a cheat, I am a deceiver, and I'm a man who takes advantage of. He acknowledges his weaknesses before God. He acknowledges his weaknesses before God. And then it goes on. Um, name, what is your name? The man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. When we struggle with God and we acknowledge our weaknesses before him, God brings change into our life. Something happens spiritually, will overcome. And what happens, that struggle that we have with God, we will overcome because the power of God that is in us begins to get activated because we believe that God can be my helper. I had a time in my life when I was in a situation like this. I was on the move from one thing to another thing, a bit like Jacob. He was running away from Laban and he was going to where he came from and he was in a difficult place. And I was, years ago, I'd been a Christian about six years and people had prayed for me and people had prophesied over me and I had read the word of God and I believed the word of God and I believed it was the right time, just like Jacob. God said to him, go back. God said to me, move forward, move 
forward, go across the river. And I held on to these things at that time. And I moved on what I believed God was saying to me. But I couldn't get to the next thing. There was a journey for me still to go. So I spent a year of my life working as a volunteer, just as a volunteer. Whatever I was asked to do, I would do. No pay. Easy. And I was a busy person. And I spent a year like that. But at the end of that year, I had to have a wrestle with God. I wrestled with God. I got myself down to the east coast to my sister's batch at Anara Bay, just north of Tolaga Bay. There was not a body around for 25 miles. I was alone. And it was just me, this Bible, and water. Because I am fasting until, God, you tell me what you want me to do. I believed you, these scriptures, these prophecies, all this stuff. And I took it with me, and I went to wrestle with God. And I'm not letting go, and I'm not moving until I know. I was seeking the blessing, the spiritual blessing of God to move forward. And it all sounds really good. And I got there, and it was great. I took my music with me. And on day one, things were good and easy, and I prayed and talked and sang. And day two, and day three, and it was good. I could walk along the beach and come back at the beach. I had this little routine going, and I'd lift my hands and praise and worship God. And at nighttime, when no one's around, I'm on my knees, I'm flat on the floor confessing, and whatever else, God, I'm just seeking God. I am wrestling with God. And it was great. Day six, day seven, I'm still going. I'm starting to feel it a bit now. There's a bit of pressure coming on. There's a bit of something. God, I've got to know what you want me to do. I know what you've given to me. I, I know you've called me. I've got these words. And I just thought, have I missed something? I turned every page in my Bible looking for stuff and couldn't find what I, what I wanted. By day eight and day nine, day nine, the weather changed. It got really cold down there. It was November, and it was got cold down there. And I got outside, and I leaned against the post of this batch on the terrace out the front, and I could feel warm tears begin to roll down, bored with myself. Where I thought, God, I'm fed up with myself. <laughs> I'm bored with myself. Where are you? And that night, I cried myself to sleep. It was an old, old batch. I, I, I remember the first night the rats running over the top of me, you know. It was just, I was way out there all by myself. And there was me and my God. I even wrote a letter, a, a note of all the sins that I think I, I had confessed. And then I brought them before God and I prayed over them and I lit a match to this piece of paper and up it went in. And I thought, God's forgiven me. That's not going to, that's my past. Not, you know, I had to get free. I'm looking for what God wanted to do. And then the morning of day 10, I get up and I read my Bible and I did my readings and I walk down to the beach and then I walk along the beach for an hour and walk back. Well, this morning I get down to the beach and at the top of my voice, I shouted, God, I'm disappointed. I didn't know where it came from. I, there was nobody around. Nobody heard me except God. What is your name? I am disappointed. I acknowledged it immediately, immediately. It was like the sunrise or the sunset, the sunrise. Something broke in my life. 
that call of God, you know, it broke. It was like God took this glass thing I couldn't touch, I could see, but there was something I needed more. God, I'm seeking. If you seek with all your heart, you will find you know, and I, I'm looking, I've quit my job. I was the general manager of a multi-million dollar company. I quit it and I'm moving into what? To serve God. I want to be a person who makes a difference in this world for the kingdom of God. All I wanted to do was serve God. You know, but how? Where? What, Lord? I've done a year of voluntary work. What? Seek Jacob, seeking. And at the time, you will overcome And when I heard the word of God over my life, I laughed and I cried. I skipped and I ran and I walked up and down the beach like you wouldn't believe. And it was just like, God, the fullness and the joy of the Lord, the spiritual blessing was on me. And it was wonderful. And I got back to the batch by midday. I thought, now what? So I opened my Bible And I did exactly the same reading that I had done earlier on in the day. And as soon as I opened it up on Isaiah 55 and verses 8 and 9, it said this. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. As high as the heavens are from the earth, so are my ways from your ways. And I realized what I had done I was trying to make God's plan for my life happen in my time, in my way. I wanted to understand. All I had had to do was trust God. All I had to do was trust God. What is your name? Sitting here today, what is is your name? What if God said to you right now, what is your name? I'm hurt. I'm disappointed. I'm distressed. I'm depressed. I'm full of joy, Lord. I know what you're doing in me. I, who are you? What is your name? When we acknowledge the name, the answer and acknowledge our own weakness before God, the same thing that happened to Jacob will happen to you. You will overcome. You will overcome. I drove, when that was day 10, I packed up that afternoon and I drove from Tonega Bay all the way back up to Auckland and I went home and I sat there and I thought, great, I've had a breakthrough. Something in me has changed. The next morning I get a phone call and it was a phone call and these people wanted to see me and they had something they wanted to give to me. The day after that, I needed it too. I didn't have any petrol in the car and I had no money left to pay for it and they gave me an older couple and I knew they had nothing, but they gave me $20. First time, I could never receive from people. I couldn't do that and I learnt my lesson. I said, thank you very much. I need that so I can put petrol in my car because I was ready to walk. Day two, I'm living with my, my brother and my sister-in-law and their four children. She says, Soph, we need to talk with you. We don't want you to pay board. You're so fantastic with our kids. We love having you in our house. Please just come and stay. And I thought, they didn't know, but I couldn't pay them that day. And I never had to tell them either. God goes before us. Day three, I get a phone call from the pastor of my church. Sophia, can you come in and see me? We want you to come and look after our baby Christians. We want you to come and look after our new Christians and run a class with them. 
You know, we want you to help them to grow. We've been watching you, and we think that you are the person to do this. And they says, we will pay you two days a week. I said, oh, no, you don't have to pay me. I, I can just do this as a volunteer. I'd love to do that. And God says, I'm trying to help you. God has a plan for our lives. Do you know that was in November of 1991? In 1992, I came and I started. I prepared my foundations class. I knew. See, what I God gave me the verse, you are a mother. Many are the children of the barren woman. I don't have my own children, but God has babes. God has children that he wants to bless too. And he has made me to be a mother to his babies. But I didn't understand that. I saw that develop as it came. You know, we talk about the call of God. Every single one of you is anointed to do something. Something for God's King. You have an anointing. You just don't know it. What, what do you mean I have an anointing? An anointing is on your own you to do, just you, and you can't do it on your own. It's like Mary, when Mary was told she's going to have a baby and to call his name Jesus, you know, here's this baby, and Mary says, how can this be? I'm a virgin. And the way it happened was the Holy Spirit overshadowed her. The Holy Spirit overshadows us. That's the anointing. I look for it. I want it. I want God to make the difference because I can't. I can only do everything with the anointing. I'm looking for the anointing of God all the time. You have that anointing. You don't believe me? Well, look at the story in Elijah and you look at the lady that God sent her. The raven and the brook had all dried up and he had nothing left to eat and there's famine in the land. And in this famine, here is this important, God says to him, go and see that lady. And she says, she's there and she's got a son and she's only got enough ingredients for one more meal and then she's going to die. And God wants her to do that. You see, the ingredients of what God wants to do in your life are already there. The ingredients are there. We have to give them to God. Fully give them to God. You know, when God does this, there's the anointing, the overpowering work of the Holy Spirit begins to happen. And when she did what the prophet had asked her to do, between the two of them, he had an anointing, she had an anointing. When the two things came together, the miracle happened. The miracle happened. You want miracles? We believe together. We can't, God can. But if we can't believe, He won't. We work with Him on this earth. God has a call on all of our lives. He is a good God. We are overcomers. Today, if God says, what is your name, Sophia? I'm an overcomer. I will overcome. My God is greater than anything that I can ever have or need or ask for. He is more than enough for me. He is more. The fullness of God is in all of you. It's in you. You know, today, if you're saying, I'm lost. God, I'm lost. I don't even know the Bible. I don't know anything. God, I'm lost. Today, you know what God wants from you? God wants from all of us. One word. Yes. Yes, Lord. In your heart, that's all God's asking you. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Here I am. Yes, there's your overcoming. Yes, Lord. You know what God's asking you. But you say yes to God. 
and you are more than a conqueror. You are victorious in Christ Jesus, the fullness of God. You are a world shaker for the kingdom of God. God will use you and your joy comes when you see that God is using your life. So today my encouragement to all of you is to take God, go alone, cling to God. Say, Lord, you've anointed me. I know what I can get for my future. Today, Lord, today, today is the day where I'm going to be prepared for my future. Today, I'm going to do my best of what I know you're asking me to do because I'm going to work it today for a better tomorrow. Do you hear what I'm saying? Father, you're such a good God. Lord, I thank you for the way you've led me in my life. I thank you for the Word of God that shows that I'm not the only one. You've led every one of us. Lord, all of us, you're such a good God. Father, we know we have prepared a harvest. We sense it, Lord, the time and the season that we're living in. Father, use us today. Lord, if you're saying yes to God today, I just want you to stand, please. Just stand to your feet before God, not before me. Just stand to God if you're saying, yes, God. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Have your way, Lord. Have your way, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Today I'm going to recommit to you, Lord. Lord, you know my situation. You know where I'm at today, Lord. Father, today I say yes. Forgive me, Lord, that I've wanted to do it my way. I've been striving to make your plans work for my life. Today, I want you to take control, Lord. You have your way. Lord, I am yours. I am yours. I can't make it happen. But Lord, if the Holy Spirit overshadows me, if the anointing flows on me, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.